You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded, the top 25 under 25. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and we're recording this on the same day as the article goes out. Uh, Heinemann article is out and I've already written that the podcast will be out in about an hour and a half. This is due to the fact that one of our most requested guests had the opportunity to record on this Friday, um, but before, around 11 uh, Eastern time. And I'm happy to announce my good friend and former colleague, David Saint-Louis, is here to talk about Jadon Struble and Emil Heinemann. Thank you so much for taking the time out of a very busy day, David. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for waiting for me and giving me that time slot. <laughs> no, it's it's I I know how you spent it because you were watching videos of both players for for a full week. So uh, I know I'm going to benefit from it anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but looking at it, we we got Jaden Struble um, at number twenty uh, twenty three. Was it no twenty twenty two uh, at twenty two. He's ranked quite similar in in the whole um, by the community as well. Uh, community added him at nineteen, in or twenty two. Um, at this point of, of of the list, we're looking at plateaus, and and we discussed this just as we started that Leas Anderson is is on a plateau a little bit with Oliver Kapanen. Maybe uh, then we have the two goalies more or less on the same score, and Jaden Struble is in the middle. Between those goalies and Emil Heinemann, who is obviously at number one and uh, twenty-one, as we have uh, just revealed that the podcast will be about those two. Uh, why is he may rank twenty-two, David, and and why is is he all by himself rather than on a uh, on, in in a group of of ranking as prospect? I think you guys have him in the right spot. If I think about the Habs prospect pool, like about the right spot, it's always a bit subjective, and these exercises are always hard to do. Like I remember when I when I used to do my list at uh, AOTP, it was super hard. I would just like uh, do it one time and redo it and redo it again. Like I'd never be exactly sure, but you have to decide on something. And I always like to mix upside with certainty, so I just don't. When I used to rank these prospects, I would I would prefer upside but i would also take into account prospects who are more inch already with play games and things like this and struggle like he, he's, he's 21 now i think he's still a, a, a summer birthday so it, like he's a bit younger than the rest of the crop uh, of his draft class um but yeah the, the thing with him is that he still has upside he's a very strange prospect because every year i, I used to look i used to look at him and and say next year is going to be his breakout year. Like every time I would say that's because he has every tools he need to become a great NHLer, or not necessarily a great NHLer, but like just an NHL player. And even when he was first drafted and his first year in college, I thought maybe he would have top four upside. It's just that he had the skating, he had the shooting ability, he could carry pucks up ice, he was involved offensively, but the points would just not show up. And maybe he was a bit low pace. And it just remained that way for years and years. But the tools haven't left his game. Like he's still the same, very interesting player for a development team. Because when you have so much to work with, you can really 
turn a player into an NHLer if if he's receptive to coaching and if he wants to change and he wants to learn. So I think between 20 and 25 on this list, it's like the perfect blend of upside and uh, still remaining upside. And the fact that he hasn't quite lived up to expectations we put on him maybe um so yeah i think it's about the right spot honestly i mean if you look just at numbers uh, you would have to say that uh, at northeastern they have been eerie similar first year 10 points second year 12 points albeit in in, in less games than last year or, or two years ago 14 points and then 12 points this year um and and quite high of a penalty <laughs> differential <laughs> yeah and and yeah, is it that physical play that he can play that makes him go over the edge in college hockey and it will translate well into the AHL and and, and Laval um, I don't know I think the penalty minutes are both uh, positive in some ways like because yes he is physical and he can play that, that kind of physical game but it's also an indication of is weakness uh, which trouble like after watching with so many games over the years i'm starting to understand what's going on a bit more like it, it's not that his hockey sense is is that low like i think it's about average but um he doesn't have uh, you can play two types of game he can either be super aggressive and really go for it and because he doesn't redeploy uh, as fast as maybe other defensive prospects in, in this pool um he causes mistakes because his reads his timing is not exactly right so when he's super aggressive he has penalty minutes because he has to catch up to the boy and hook or hit maybe to uh, to stop a new position from scoring or to catch up to his mistakes or he can play really passive because when you play really passive slower then it's easier to read the game because you're not as involved necessarily but when he plays passive uh, which has been his his style of choice i would say over the last two years well he doesn't cause as many mistakes but he doesn't use his tools as much so in, in the first year of, of college we really saw struggle activate up by scary box and try plays offensively and i think he scaled that back as he as he evolved in north Houston's system and it's partly because i don't think he played first power play uh of the team this season so maybe his point totals were not as inflated as other defensive prospects in, in the ncaa and Northeastern, for a couple of years there, they deployed a really um, defensive system, too, where they would not try as many uh, puck-moving plays. They would just chip pucks off the glass. So he didn't have as many offensive opportunities. So there's a bit of a context there. But yeah, he has those weaknesses. But if you can teach him, like through video, to really pick the right timing for certain plays, for pinching up eyes, for activating the play, I think he could turn into an NHLer still. And the tools will always be there. And there's there's a great <laughs> foundation there. Yeah, and, and the, the Montreal development system has taken a step forward. Um, on, on, on the other hand, so has the defensive prospect pool when we consider um, all the players in there. And, and even Rusekai took a spot on, on the roster last year in the NHL. The, the prospect pool in, in Laval will be stacked this year. There are some players outside the... the um, the North American Hockey Leagues as well in juniors and 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 obviously in SHL, um, it it will still be a long way to go for for Struble to get into the NHL roster, right? Yes, I don't think he's going to play necessarily in the NHL next year, but he doesn't have to. He can remain like in the AHL and develop, and then if there is a a string of injuries, like he can be called up because I'm sure he could hold his own at the NHL level, even for a few games playing on 
like the adrenaline and <laughs> really engage the players. Again, he has the tools to play in the NHL as soon as next year. It's just that the reads over a long term, over a long period of games, I think they, they, they might fall apart right now. But if he plays enough in the system in the AHL and learns to just uh, where his marks are on the ice, like at some point, I think he could make a quite smooth transition. Like I've not given up on Struble at all. I'm still a pretty big fan of him. So what, what, yeah. They, 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 what is they it that ahead. makes you that big fan? It's the tools again. When you look at them, it's it's easy to see an NHL defenseman. When you dig deeper, like you see the, the issues. But uh, even in the AHL this year, like he didn't look out of place at all. Like he, he did miss some, some coverage reads. He did miss some offensive opportunities he could take. But generally, um, when when he was forced to make plays, when he had like the four checkers on his back, he can evade them with his skating. He can make plays through opponents, and he can like he can make those plays. Just that uh, just has to learn how to use basically just has to learn how to use his tools still. And when a player is that toolsy, when he's that easy to project to the NHL, any scout is going to uh, like a player like that because you can actually see the player do, do the same things in the top league. Again, it's all come down to learning the right read, the right, the right timing, but will the Montreal development team... Will, sorry, Hull, be, will Hull be able to, to teach him that? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, it, it all depends on Montreal's development team, honestly. It's going to, to be a great test uh, for them. Uh, are they really good, or have they just found players who develop better than others right now? So, so Struval is a player who has been about the same uh, over the past two or three years. Can they really make him take a jump in his play and really take step forwards and improve over next year? If we see that improvement, I think it's going to be a great uh, a testament that they're they are a good development team and they know what, what they're doing because I, I don't think he's that far from an NHL role and he has so many things to work with that like he, he I'd be excited to work with him honestly so I think it's going to be a great test for the team. I'm gonna be put you on a really tough spot here, uh, David, and I'm sorry and and I haven't prepared you for this either, which makes me a little bit embarrassed because it just came to me. But do you see Jaden Struble? more of a trade prospect or a more of a development prospect and get into the team? Second one, for sure. I don't think he has much value on the trade market. On glass on the team really, really likes him, but he has not been high profile in college. Like He's more a, a player that Montreal would know better than any other team, I, I guess, Like even if they scouted him, because uh, you see his point total. You, you, he's more, uh, I think, in... Many 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 teams had uh, management. Uh, they, they perceive him uh, more as a C-level prospect right now, but I think he has more upside than this. So I would try and work with him and develop him because maybe as a as a chip uh, in a trade, like a, a, maybe the, the the fourth or fifth element. If there's a big trade and you want to get a player, like he could be, a, uh, you could put him in, but he wouldn't have he wouldn't move the needle that much. I think for other teams. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. One player that has been traded twice already, <laughs> uh, once from Florida and once from Calgary, um, is Emil Heinemann. Uh, I'm very interested to hear what you're thinking about him, David, because uh, 
you obviously have him down as the next Arturo Lekkonen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's not that similar to him, honestly. Like, I, I can see why some people would, would make that comparison because um, he has that kind of that, that same kind of straight line pace, and he has the shot. So when you equate those things, and, and you think he's pretty good defensively, like you, you get a kind of Lekkonen portrait. But uh, like you said numerous times, <laughs> I read your articles. The, the defensive game, it's not a strength. I don't say I wouldn't say it's a big weakness, but like he 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 has to develop there, and that's really his key to making the NHL over the next two years, like developing that checking game because he has the tools to become a great checker. But that's really not what's exciting about him. Like I watched him in the AHL, and I was really surprised by what I was seeing. Honestly, and they um we used to see him more as a. Uh, shooter who uh, went to the net like who forechecked but who wasn't like amazing at, at those things but his shot improved he's better at finding soft spot in the offensive zone and i saw some playmaking from him which i didn't in previous years like he was making instant passes of uh, of his receptions so on his first touch he would get the puck fake a defender and move the puck to a teammate so he knew where that teammate was before getting the puck so he was aware he anticipated better so I think his game evolved in terms of skills over the, the past two years, and he's becoming a more exciting prospect. I want—I don't want to hype him too much because I think he projects more as a um, the third liner more than a top six guy. But the skills have evolved. It's just that, like you said many times, uh, the, the the checking game it, it has to improve because I think uh, that's the main thing that will get him that NHL role. I think the Montreal will monitor that part of his game over the next season, and if he. If he improves, unless he wins a role at camp, which would be surprising, but it could happen. Um, if they monitor that aspect of his game and there's improvement, I think he could fit, fit very well inside the team. The issue with him is that even if he has the backcheck speed, the transition speed to, to shut down opponents in uh, in forecheck situation, in backcheck situ- back check, back check situation, sorry, he doesn't take that extra stride. On, he's, he's more of an offensive player, like he wants to be on the offensive side of the play. So he will stand behind his check instead of in front of him, just just so that he gets that chance to escape with the puck after a pass. But if he just takes like those extra couple of steps to anticipate the play and move ahead of it and be ahead of his check, like he could be a really a real force on the ice. That's the only missing element, I think, right now. First. I have to say, when, when you think of Lekkonen, or when I think of Lekkonen and development path, um, in, in, for Lekkonen, he was the defensive anchor on Fernanda's second line in SHL. He, he, he was the defensive anchor with uh, Matthias Janmark and Robert Frigren uh, in, 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 in that setup. And, and I think that taught him a lot about the defensive game. Uh, I don't think Heinemann has a bad hockey IQ. I, I, I need to state this over and over again, I think. Uh, because he can compute angles, he can use his instinct on the offensive side of the ice, but he doesn't translate this to the defensive side of the ice. And and uh, so I, I, if, if you have a hockey IQ on one side, why shouldn't you have it on the other? That's my first question. And, and, and that is really what this boils down to for me. Yeah, uh, I with the defensive game, uh, there's always two things. Is it a matter of like he can't read the play, or is it a matter of effort? And not well, he's not lacking effort. effort. That's for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. With Anaheim's case, it's not a question of effort. It's a question of how he wants to play the game. Like he's an opportunistic player, so he wants these these chances to escape with the puck on on 
like let's say that there, there's a transition rush. Raneman is not going to take that extra stride yet ahead of his of his guy because if he's a bit behind and his team manages to create a turnover, he, they can get him the puck and he has a breakaway or a two on one. So he's betting on those chances. He thinks like a shooter, like Cole Caulfield maybe would at the initial level, but he doesn't have Cole Caulfield's toolkit or skills. So he has to develop that checking game to earn that role and then he can show his skills. He's more that type of uh, a secondary player, like he has to have a more complete game before he earns an opportunity than a player who has an elite talent who can get away with those things. So I think it's not a matter of effort, not a matter of reason necessarily, it's just a matter of style of play and what he wants to do on the ice. And I've seen some good defensive play from him. Like it's not a big weakness, but again, it just has to improve a bit. And then I think the NHL will become more certain too. For me, it's the obviously the bigger eyes because I have only seen two of Laval's game this year. Uh, it was the playoff games, uh, but uh, it's it's the way that he makes counting errors, and I just had to explain it in the article in in uh, on Ice on the Price. But uh, when when a team overloads or or set up a play or activate the defenders, which is something more and more teams are starting to use both in AHL and and in in NHL. To activate that defender, to to draw in and create uncertainty, and by force making your opponent to to miss your count and see, okay, this player is mine, this player is mine. They're playing man to man or they're playing zone, and and they you you, you force sort of a combination issue. Uh, so suddenly you have two guys going for one guy, and that means that one guy is left open, and mm-hmm. and also. What has started to come into NHL, especially, is that you screen a little bit, not like in basketball where you screen or or handball where it's even worse, uh, where you screen properly, but but you screen a little bit. It's a shoulder to shoulder. It's something you 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 lean into it a little bit more to make that uh, defender go that extra yard, and and I think this is where. Heinemann struggles for me. Uh, I, I can see his reach is very good. He might not always get it right, but but he can use his stick to break out passes and create those turnover opportunities, as you mentioned. But the counting errors, because that for me has to work with his mind. And I don't know if it's as I put it in in, in, the, in, in the in my comment in the article as well. I wonder if he's been too big at junior level for too long, where he has the intimidation and the reach. So he doesn't have had to compute the the defensive side of the game to the same degree. Yeah, uh, maybe that, or maybe it's just that he really wants to score. <laughs> I don't know if it's... <laughs> or both. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, honestly, I, I'm pretty confident that he will develop like, that side of this game because it's just... It's going to be easier for him. Like he's six foot two, I think, six foot one. He has that reach, has that straight line speed. Like it's even if he doesn't, like, I say that um, he has to be ahead of his coverage. But honestly, if he's just level with it, he has the speed to beat that guy anyway and be in the right spot if the play turns the other way. So like the game is going to be easier in certain aspects for him than other players. So he's going to that's going to earn him initial chances more too. And I, I believe in him honestly because. Because he has those tools and because he showed in moments that he can play that good defensive game and because his skill level improve over the next years, I think he's a player on the up and up. Again, he's, not, he's probably not going to end up in a top six role. Uh, his range of outcomes is HLR to like third liner, mostly anything uh, above or below that would be surprising, honestly. But still, he like he, he has 
enough skills to complement good players in the NHL. And I think because of the tools he has, the defensive game is going to be easier. So we just need like a slight change of mentality and work in the video room, just like Jaden Strobel. Like we're talking about two players who are very toolsy. So that's always interesting and it will remain, it will keep them in the NHL discussions for, for longer, honestly. Yeah, I think the the the, the question is, as, as you point out here, either you build a second line around Heinemann's strength. That's how I see it. Uh, but but that also creates a little bit of a mismatch in your lines. Or he is on the third line. Because you can't have him play four minutes on a greater line, that, that like greater, cheese greater, not greater as in big. Uh, but, but a greater line uh, to... We, we've seen that didn't work for him in, in SHL. Or it worked, but you didn't use his biggest skill, which I still think is the, is the shot, because I have not seen shots like that in many Swedish players. I think yeah. Victor Olofsson always comes to mind as a great shot, but he shoots around people. Heidemann can actually shoot through them, and, and I think that's something you really, really want to keep uh, using. But it also hinges on that defensive acumen that he needs to build up and, and confidence probably as well, because he's probably heard his, that he struggles there. Yeah. And when I watch him, there's always a conflict in my mind because I look at his numbers in, in Europe, in different leagues. And I, I look at his numbers, even the AHL this season, like I think he had seven goals, two assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, are not, <laughs> when you see a player who has so many more goals and assists, usually it's not sustainable at the, at the uh, other levels, like there's something going on with the numbers there with the shooting percentage. But um, when I look at those numbers, I don't expect to see a player as skilled uh, as what I watch, honestly. So I was really surprised by his skill level. And I would be hyping him more, honestly, if I didn't look at his stats card and look at those numbers and and Sweden and Finland. I think he played before, or am I mistaken? But anyway, his numbers are very scary in general. So well, we'll see how he develops. He's a very intriguing player. I think it's really all about patience with him because I'm not sure that the, his short AHL stints really represent the player is going to be over the next year. But if he can sustain that that kind of play, he's going to keep scoring in the AHL. He's going to position himself for an NHL role as soon as next year, probably. And again, the tools are there. Uh, I think he's going to develop that defensive side of his game, even if it's, even if he just becomes like a, an average NHL defender. And, and it's going to be really good. It's going to earn him opportunities on the third line, maybe on the second line, and the skill level is going to really shine. So I'm optimistic. Yeah, no, I, I, we'll I agree with I agree with you in that regard that he's going to be. Like that's how far he needs to improve. He just needs to become average. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's not like super far. He's not a player who is not interested at all in the, the defensive side, who can't read the play at all. It's just like he has to improve some of his reads and change some part of his style of play to really to really get there. But it's totally realistic. It's not like other players who, who project that they are going to improve some massive uh, weaknesses. Like it's not that far. He's not that far from being that average defender it's going to require some months of really getting his head and that he has to do that but uh it's totally real realistic for me honestly uh, very interesting what about his shooting percentage at one point it was 23 percent i think and it fell down in ahl to 17.5 at the end of it where he had a few scoreless games in as well in uh, in the playoffs and in um, the last couple of games i think it was the two last games of the season, uh, regular season, he was scoreless as well. Um, 
the if I remember correctly, the average shooting percentage is about eleven percent, maybe. And and if you're a top scorer, you end up somewhere around fourteen. Would that would you think he could keep it up to that level, or would he fall to closer to the average level? That depends on his off puck game, honestly, because he has the, the shooting mechanics. He can fire off passes in traffic. He can score around the net with tips. He can rush the net and score on rebounds. Like he has multiple uh, different ways to score. So already, like he he has a he's a candidate for uh, to remain a player who's going to keep a higher shooting percentage. But it depends on how much his off puck game can improve. So we thought this was a weakness with him around his draft year, around his draft plus one. Like, he didn't find spots on the ice as well as other top shooters like Cole Caulfield and those elite guys. But it improved, honestly. I saw him um, anticipate the play better in the AHL and move ahead of it. So um, the best shooters, what they do is that they don't move, like, they don't react to the play. They anticipate it. So when, it, when someone has the puck, they anticipate the next pass and they position for that next pass already. So it has to be in the right spot at the right time, but that's actually like anticipating one pass away, one play away. And I saw more of those things for, from him in the AHL than in previous levels. So I think that's improving. How much is it going to improve? I don't think it's going to become Caulfield level necessarily or those top thinker of the game. But if he can just keep on that development path just a bit and get slightly better at finding pocket of space, like he could be one of those guys who keeps a higher shooting percentage. But that, that always depends on who you play with at the NHL level, mm-hmm. too. Like those 11, 12% guys, they play with great playmakers who make it easy for them to score at, at that rate. Um, so there's plenty of factors there, but I believe in his shot. I think he's improving what he needs to, to be set up as a scorer. And the rest of his game, the skill level, it's slightly improving, too. So again, that's there are cases to be optimistic about him. Um, one thing before we talk a little bit about the ranking, um, we've seen in Sweden uh, on the power play that he's been used as a net front presence, probably not where I would use him, but it has shown no. that his hand-eye coordination is is very, very good, actually. Yeah, he's he scored, he scored with tip, and like, he gets to front of it at the right time, he has the, uh, the body to really be that, that net front guy. I don't think it's optimal for his style of play necessarily, but he could learn that, that role pretty easily because, again, he has those tools. I, I keep coming back to this, but the more tools you have, the more solutions you have to play on the ice, the more roles you can feel like it's easy. The game is easier for you. So even if you're average thinking, if you have a lot of tools, you have a lot of other solution, you can uh, get away with some play and find uh, way, find outlets better. Like you can adapt to different roles. So, Yes, I think he could fill that net front role if the half wall spot, the half wall shooter spot, is not open. Do where do you realistically he will be in Laval because he would not need waivers? Um, would you use him on the first power play wave, or would you use him on the second there? I think he was on on the first. I'm not sure. I would just keep him wherever they put him at the end of the season because it seemed to work, honestly. Like, he can fire off passes with one-timers pretty good. And he, uh, I like that. Like, he he does... Uh, the best shooters, they, they they don't stay in one spot on the power play. Like, they move um Unless you're a on... because he moves, yeah. like, two feet. <laughs> he does move a bit, but he doesn't move need to move as much because there's so much power and precision in that one-timer. But uh, Heinemann would just, like, change, uh, move from the, the, the wall to the dot to right... Like, Try and anticipate what angle is going to have to shoot and beat the goalie. So he would just like move down a bit and receive a pass, and then he have more net open. Like I, I like that kind of mentality, and I think it's indicative that he could fill that 
have well shooting roles uh, in the AHL uh, on the, the long term and really score. Again, if you want that role on at the NHL level, you have to be an even better shooter and an even better anticipator of play and have some playmaking shots that are better than what he has right now because you have to be a complete player and really be elite because those roles at the NHL level at the NHL level are reserved for the elite player. So mm. is he going to be uh, that kind of shooter over the long term? We have seen like Victor Olofsson, who uh, was just a, such an amazing shot that even if they don't have the rest of the game, they still get put in those roles. But you see what happened with Buffalo. Like I think he lost at that spot at mm-hmm. some point because he wasn't offering as much uh, at five on five and as much playmaking and teams adapted to him. So you have to be somewhat complete, have an elite shot and really, really great at anticipating the game. And I think uh, Hanneman is, is getting, <laughs> he's improving, but he, he's not, he hasn't put himself uh, on that kind of trajectory, development trajectory yet. Uh, if we look at his entire career, but we see what we'll see what he do, what he does in the NHL. We'll see what he does in the AHL uh, next year. Honestly, that's going to determine the rest of his career. Yeah, and and he will have a pro career, that's for sure, because the player with that shot will always have that. Um, going back to the rankings, we started there. We're going to finish that uh, way as well. Um, what I want to point out is uh, the top uh, rated um, for for Heinemann is twelfth. Uh, the community has him at 19, and he ends up at 21 uh, in with with all the ranked votes. Uh, the fact, in general, really, the, the most interesting fact is, again, that this is a plateau. He's the last of a plateau of four players where uh, they are split, essentially, by a point combined. So, so... I think in 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 this case we need to look at it maybe as a group of four that earns the 18 spot in a way, uh, because the the differences are so minuscule, so it doesn't hamper. So when we think about the comments, it's not about being right or wrong in that regard. It's are we having him in that kind of the same bracket? That's probably what we should look for. I would like to to thank David for taking this time out of of, of his day. And, and giving us all these insights. And it's always great to have you on, David. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. I can't stress it enough. Uh, I learned so much from listening to you. So I hope the rest of you guys do as well. Thank you. It's always great to, to be on. So you can keep inviting me and I will find time to, to work, work within my, my schedule. You did realize that our listeners heard that now, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.